Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Aggie Wagon Podcast, a place for New Mexico State men's basketball skeptics, fanatics, doubters, and really anyone who likes basketball. I'm your host, Stephen Wagner. Let's shoot the breeze. What's up, guys? Welcome to Season 2, Episode 1 of the Aggie Wagon Podcast. It is fantastic to be back in studio after seven months, six months, Something like that? I can't remember. It's been too long. But anyway, it is a thrill to be back in the studio. I love doing this podcast. It's awesome that I'm getting to uh, it's get it's awesome that I'm getting to record this in this little studio that we have in the Sun News News Building. And uh, we have a lot to cover today. Uh, so let's go ahead and dive right in. Uh, today we're going to give a quick off-season recap, uh, going to break down some of my whack predictions, primarily why I didn't pick New Mexico State to win the conference in Greg Heyer's first year. And I want to clarify here, when I say to win the conference, I mean win the whack regular season championship. I still think this team is very capable of returning to the NCAA tournament and winning the conference tournament, but NMSU is not my pick to win the WAC regular season title. I'll break that down a little bit. Like I said, I'll recap the offseason too, and we'll have some takeaways from Thursday night's Crimson and White scrimmage. If you weren't able to attend that, just be sure to pop in here and uh, listen to a few of my thoughts. But anyway, so offseason recap. This season, New Mexico State is only returning two players from last year who received minutes, plus Shakiru Odunwu, who... I'm pretty sure that I'm butchering that name. I'm not certain of it. Uh, I know there's coaches and teammates call him Shaq, so I'm going to call him Shaq too. But he redshirted last season, and right now he kind of looks like he may be a longer-term development project. But I'll have to do an episode at some point on New Mexico State's bigs, you know, specifically Shaq, Easter Muhammad, and some of the depth issues that I think the Aggies are going to have at that spot. But everyone else is new. And higher hit on some really sizable recruits in the transfer portal. He comes to NMSU with the reputation of being a relentless recruiter, and that was certainly true this offseason. He added three Power 5 transfers in Xavier Pinson from LSU, Kwaye Gordon from Missouri, and Kim Aiken Jr. from Arizona. And there's a, there's a very slim chance that Pinson and Aiken won't be available at some point really early in the season because the team is still waiting on the NCAA to clear their eligibility waivers for the upcoming year. Uh, You can read more about that on the Sun News website. But it sounds like they should be available for New Mexico State season opener against, I believe it's New Mexico Highlands, not not Western New Mexico. New Mexico Highlands is their official opener uh, November 7th at the Pan American Center. But I just want to get back to my bit about transfers more than 75% of this scholarship roster is new. And I know that we live in the era of the transfer portal, but that number is still staggering to me. And with that comes some good and bad. And I, I, sh- I shouldn't necessarily say with that per se, but kind of with the whole situation that New Mexico State is in, with 75% new players and a new coaching staff, a new system, really everything just having to be learned from scratch. Uh, So the good is that NMSU has amassed a ton of talent in Las Cruces. This really might be the most talented team in the whack top to bottom, which means it's 
going to probably surprise some people that I didn't pick them to win the regular season conference championship this year. Although I still think they have a fantastic shot to win the conference tournament and go to the NCAA tournament. I'll also have more on that in a bit. But he brought in a ton of guys who were previously at Power 5 schools like Kyle Fight too, uh, who was just an absolutely incredible three-point shooter, and a bunch of junior college transfers like Deshondre Washington, Issa Muhammad, who were at Northwest Florida State last season, uh, which isn't totally unlike what Neil McCarthy had a lot of success with with his teams back in the 90s. Um, there's probably right now 11 or 12 guys on the roster where if the season started today, I would feel comfortable putting them in the game. But if the season started today, my starting five would be Xavier Pinson, Deshondre Washington, Kwaye Gordon, Mike Peake, and Issa Muhammad. Issa Muhammad is a beast, by the way, and I'm going to need to do an episode on him at some point, like I said a second ago. So that's the good. But like I said, there's a little bit of bad, too, and honestly, I'm not even totally sure if I should call it bad, quote-unquote, or not, because it's not really good or bad. It just is. It, it is what it is, and it's a huge part of the reason why I picked NMSU to finish behind Stephen F. Austin and Grand Canyon in the whack this season. So, as we all know, Greg Heyer is entering his first season as NMSU's head coach after a very long and successful career at the junior college level and having a lot of success as an assistant at a bunch of different Division I schools. He won a junior college national championship last season at Northwest Florida, and he was on staff on those Wichita State teams that went to the Final Four in a Sweet 16 in a three-year span. He's one of Chris Jans's boys. Those dudes go way back. Hire actually played for Jans in college. They coached together at the junior college level, and then they were assistants together at Wichita State. So there's no denying that he has carved out a solid career for himself in the basketball coaching industry. But this is his first Division I head coaching gig, and you may be seeing, well, why does that matter? Should it even matter at all? Who gives a crap at the end of the day? Well, I say it matters because history says it matters for most first-time Division I head coaches. Even the really great coaches have struggled finding success in their first seasons as Division I head coaches. So let's just look at some of New Mexico State's head coaches here for a second. Chris Jantz, in his first season as a D1 head coach, also came off of a very similar JUCO career uh, had a lot of success as, a, as an assistant. And Jans was 21-12 and 12 at Bowling Green. Then he came to NMSU, had a boatload of success, really won right away after he got his first season as a D1 head coach out of the way at Bowling Green. Paul Weir went 28-6 and six and made the NCAA tournament, but he didn't win the conference's regular season title. Marvin Menzies went 21-14 and 14 in a season after... He took over a program that went to the NCAA tournament the previous season and had success. And Reggie Theus went 16-14 and 14 in his first year after taking over from Lou Henson. Now, all of those are pretty decent records to have in your first season as a head coach. And some of those teams had pretty decent talent. But Paul Weir was the only head coach who had a record that was actually good enough to win the whack 
in the regular season or at least give yourself a shot at winning the WAC regular season title. And he had a ton of holdovers from the previous year. The culture was already established. He didn't have to establish something new himself. And the other coaches didn't go to the NCAA tournament in their first year as a Division I head coach. Uh, but what about other coaches, say, at schools not named New Mexico State? And what about other coaches at, say, uh, you know, Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, some of the greatest coaches of all times who built some of the winningest programs of all time? So I'm going to read off some stuff on four coaches who have all won national championships. That's Rick Pitino, John Calipari, Roy Williams, and Bill Self. It took Rick Pitino six seasons to win more than 21 games. And in, in, and in his first season at Kentucky, he was 500. He was 14 and 14. It took John Calipari three seasons to win more than 20 games in his first head coaching gig at UMass. Roy Williams was 19 and 12 in his first season at Kansas and finished sixth in the old Big Eight Conference and had a losing record in conference play. And Bill Self didn't win more than 21 games in his first five seasons as a head coach. And all of those guys are Hall of Famers with national championships. Now, Am I saying the Aggies are going to suck this season? Definitely not. In fact, I think they'll be pretty good. But I'm saying no one should expect Greg Hyer to simply walk in in his first season as a Division I head coach and immediately parallel the level of success that Chris Jans had. Do I think he's going to get there? Yes, I really do. And I thought Hyer was a fantastic hire by New Mexico State. I really like the move a lot. But... I'm saying that fans need to give Hire a little bit of wiggle room because I'm calling it now that this team is going to take some lumps before whack play starts. And that is the primary reason why I pick New Mexico State to finish third in the conference behind Grand Canyon and Stephen F. Austin. Now then, real quick, uh, let's go ahead and dive into the crimson and white scrimmage that we had Thursday night at the Pan American Center. Uh, it was a really fantastic event. Um, it, I thought it was a great way to unofficially tip off the upcoming season, really big some, really build some excitement, get a lot of buzz going around Las Cruces uh, about the team. Um, it was free to attend. Uh, they played 10 three-minute thirds I guess it would it would be uh three 10 minute periods um for a grand total of 30 minutes uh all scholarship players except for James Beck played uh Beck was in street clothes uh wasn't sure if he was injured or not not really going to speculate on that uh but higher didn't really seem too concerned about uh anyone on the roster um but just some quick takeaways from the scrimmage uh Xavier Pinson and Isu Muhammad, those two, right this second, they are the best players on New Mexico State's team by a lot. Well, I shouldn't say a lot, but by what feels like a comfortable amount. Uh, 
this is a high flying offense. Pinson and, and Muhammad played really, really well uh, on both ends of the court. Uh, Issa Muhammad apparently um, he's gained somewhere in the range of twenty ish pounds uh, since he arrived at, at MSU over the summer. He's put on a lot of healthy weight. Uh, Xavier Pinson, uh, they're still waiting on his eligibility waiver to come through. It's sounding like it probably will. There's a minor concern. Uh, actually, I really shouldn't say concern. Uh, they are being, pre- or New Mexico State staff does feel pretty confident that it is going to come through. Uh, both of them looked fantastic. Uh, Issa Muhammad had 19 points and eight rebounds and a pair of assists. Uh, he also hit a three too. And Xavier Pinson had 15 points on, had 15 points and three assists. Uh, he also scored 10 points in the second period alone. Um, I'm definitely expecting that both of those guys are going to be dudes that NMSU is going to lean on. Uh, another quick takeaway that I had: turnovers are going to be kind of a concern, and. Greg Heyer talked about how this team is practicing with 15 seconds on the shot clock. And uh, the number of possessions that NMSU has this season is going to drastically increase. Um, But with more points uh, also comes more possessions and probably more giveaways. Um, NMSU had 30 turnovers last night, uh, which definitely exceeded last year's season high from any regular season game. And in theory, this style of offense should give NMSU the opportunity to beat anyone they play this year. But I also think it means that the Aggies are capable of losing to anyone that they'll play this year, or I should say nearly anyone that they'll play this year. But there's still three weeks before the before the season opener or the official season opener. Uh, the Aggies have plenty of time to clear this up. I don't think there's any team in the country that feels fantastic about their turnover situation right now. Uh, um, you know, I doubt that Duke and Kentucky feel fantastic about where they sit right now. Uh, but that will be something that NMSU is definitely going to need to improve on. Um, and uh, last takeaway that I had, I also wrote about this. In my article, um, NMSU has really embraced Greg Heyer's idea of positionless basketball. Uh, The one through four spots all feel very interchangeable, but depth at the five is going to be a real concern because right now it's Issa Muhammad and then a substantial drop-off before you get to Shaka Dunwu. That is going to be moderately concerning to me because unless you're comfortable with Issa playing 30 to 35 minutes a night, uh, which is a lot uh, from a position that is very physically demanding um, and really takes a lot for, you know, a 240 uh, pound guy to be sprinting up and down the court uh, for 40 minutes. I think that that is going to be a concern. But folks, that's going to do it for season two, episode one of the Aggie Wagon podcast. Again, thank you all for tuning in. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at StephenWag22. You can follow all of the Las Cruces and Luces NMSU basketball coverage on our website. Uh, Feel free to give this podcast a like. And as always, if you have any tips, suggestions, anything along those lines, or you just want to chat basketball, you can email me at swagner at lcsun-news.com. 
or you can feel free to DM me on Twitter. I do keep my Twitter DMs open. But until next time, thanks for listening and happy trails.